I like it when like the monks go like. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Me and the yeah. boys on a Friday night. <laughs> 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 Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remember that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to Ruth. I've been meaning to listen to Ruth. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Come over and talk about it. Yeah, welcome to I've been meaning to listen to that, the podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use that as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. And speaking of betting on the wrong horse, uh, we got two hosts from the Bomb Squad podcast. It's Tanner Richard Kraft and Joe Frederick, everybody. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Wow, did you get like vocal surgery over the Yeah, last- baby? <laughs> wow. Tanner's balls finally dropped. <laughs> oh sweet Christ. <laughs> oh, they they shriveled back up. They were like they, motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, I make they fun receded of him. like a yo-yo. <laughs> I, I, I make fun of him for it and then they just Uh, we we need to like we need to talk about that um but in the meantime welcome to the show welcome to the show uh it's good it's good to have you guys on the show it's so nice um you guys host the show called the bomb squad podcast tell us a little bit about that i don't think you i don't think the bomb squad existed back then like right Uh, yeah i don't think so i was last on the show it didn't exist yet it wouldn't exist for another like five months okay okay okay. uh bomb squad uh podcast is a show on the bomb squad productions youtube channel which is a production company with production company but air quotes around company um collective maybe is more accurate either way it's a channel run by me joe and eight other people and we release a variety of stuff but our big ticket thing is the bomb squad podcast which is a video slash podcast we release every week where we talk about a movie of our choice. It could be something that's brand new. It could be celebrating an anniversary. It might have some new special release or something like that. That's the main thing we do. We also make films and other things, but the podcast is our uh, big, big ticket item. Andrew's been on a couple episodes. He was on us when he uh, talked about Shrek and uh, he was with us when we talked about Men in Black and and speaking mm-hmm. of the Shrek one I just noticed today Andrew I don't know how long this has been a case but your okay. Instagram bio is that comment that someone left on the <laughs> on the podcast for yes Shrek. yes I changed it to that yeah how long has that been there <laughs> It's been like um, ever since like the uh, Men in Black episode. I just thought it was okay. funny. So it like it's uh, funny. <laughs> so like uh, so um, on, I was on their Shrek episode, which is very funny. Uh, um, check out their show; it's fantastic. Uh, and if you can, if you have the time, check out the video. Ver- it's a podcast, but there's a video version of it too, which is just next level. I think that's a big part of why it works so well. Is like the editing that mostly austin does austin yeah. weebleman like he just fantastic he just like pulls all these clips all these like incre- it's like so masterfully done it like enhances the episode like not only is like the finalized edited version of the audio really funny but it's also that the audio the the video aspect enhances the the project like to another level but anyways like um, so I was on the show, I was on the Shrek episode and, 
Uh, <laughs> like it was like it was like early on in the show. So it wasn't like, you know, it, it was still like growing and stuff like that. But like there's like, I think, one comment basically at the time. And it was like some person going, bro, this Asian glasses wearing man said the word like. 14 times in 19 seconds. <laughs> and, and and to like add insult to injury, they put the timestamp so that there's the receipts. There's like the actual. He was like, yeah. I can prove it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a conjecture. Um, but like, and then like on, and I just like I commented on it, like, haha, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's like um, <laughs> And then, like, a year later on the Men in Black video, I commented the same thing, and I made it in my bio. I just think it's really funny. It's like... It's funny. and Because it's not wrong. I, I use it a lot. It's it's a crutch, basically. Um, so I'm a little more self-conscious. Um, so thank you for, like, zoning in on my insecurities. I'm really sad now. But, yeah, we're here to talk about Chris Gaines' uh, Garth Brooks album, Garth Brooks in... Dot, dot, dot. The life of Chris Gaines. Um, or, or some also like some people call it just like the best of Chris Gaines or something like that. It's like Tanner, uh, I think ever since you were on the show last time, I think you bothered me about this for like for like a year, almost I've like been pushing for this for over a year. Yeah, yeah. So and um there's almost a time where we consider not doing it, but then Tanner wrote like our books or bust or something like that. Um so <laughs> What 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 made you want to talk about this so badly? It is one of the uh, most fascinating things I've seen a major, and I'll call Garth Brooks a pop star because he was a pop yeah. star, essentially. Oh, yeah. He wasn't really charting on the pop charts, but you don't sell out stadiums on every stop of your tour unless you're on some level popular. So I've never seen such a big star do something. It's not unheard of for a lot of pop artists do this where they change their style, they change their sound. Mm-hmm. Not country music that is not something that country stars really do and to see garth brooks come out number one uh being like oh i'm gonna do a alternative rock album i'm going to completely change my look i'm gonna wear makeup not that there's anything wrong with men wearing makeup but 90s country fans Yeah. yeah 90s country fans that's a different demographic than us three, let's say. And three cool fellas. Yeah. Cracking open cold ones. And <laughs> like comes out, says, I'm gonna create an album. I'm gonna pretend like I've always like this is a person that's existed for a while. I'm gonna have an MTV making the music documentary. I'm gonna yes, have a I Hollywood, I'm gonna have a Hollywood movie made about this. And then have all those plans largely fall apart because the album doesn't sell well. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, this album, this album has the only song in Garth Brooks's entire career to make the Billboard Top Top 40. 40. Yeah. It's from this album, which probably makes it his most successful song. That's why. And it's it's fucking great it's so good it's yeah awesome. it's fantastic um but before we get into that a little more i want to talk a little bit to joe about what's you do you have any uh preconceived notions any perception of garth brooks and chris Gaines at all basically oh, God. i forced this onto him i think <laughs> yeah um so i'm probably gonna be i'll probably have i'll definitely have things to say as, as we go on but i'm probably That's gonna good. be the most quiet out of 
the the three of us because um my history with garth brooks is next to nothing um because country music is again going back to like genres where it's like i can find like stuff that i appreciate in but i wouldn't necessarily call my favorite country is definitely one of them there, there, there's definitely songs in it that i can appreciate but it's a bit of a blind spot it's not something i normally listen to um and like here, here's just kind of my perception of country in general what when you say country music star um that the, the first things that come to mind are like some of the usuals. So like your Carrie Underwoods, like I, I just go to like the, the most generic shit that like my dad listened to like Lone Star and Rascal Flats. That that's, that is my perception of country. <laughs> um, so that, that, that's how limited and kind of uh that, that, that's just my perception. I, I have heard the name Garth Brooks before. It, it's a it's a hard name to kind of like not hear. Yeah. Um, but I could not name a single song that that man wrote for the life of me. Um, and as far as like the whole Chris Gaines thing, I actually found out about this album actually maybe two years ago. And it was through like the most random of things. Um, it was a video essay on the films of Robert Zemeckis. Robert Zemeckis. Patrick uh, Willems? Yeah, the Patrick Willems video. Mm-hmm. And he described uh, his uh, his animated movie career in the early 2000s as if uh, <laughs> as, as if Garth Brooks just like made like three or four different albums just under the name of Chris Gaines. <laughs> and, and that's, that's how I found out about the Chris Gaines album. <laughs> so I, I found out about it through Patrick Willems and I was like, Oh, that sounds fascinating. Maybe I'll listen to that. And then I haven't listened to it up until literally Tanner, like trained to snipe on you and made you. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I've never listened to a Garth Brooks album in my life. I'm not a huge country music fan, even though I understand incredible music can come out of this genre. I will say if you like played like Morgan Wallen, Chris Stapleton and like Garth Brooks and, you know, just like didn't put a name on it. I don't know if I'd be able to tell the difference between the three of them. Basically, I don't know, like maybe like the Chris Stapleton, Morgan Wallen, because they're more modern and they use more modern mixing techniques and stuff like Tanner's dying on the show. Like, having a heart attack. Heart palpitations. <laughs> Anyways, that's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, like I don't care. Um, yeah, Tanner's like, dying. Pretty cool. <laughs> big fan. Big fan of that. But yeah, if you play those three artists like back to back to back, I probably couldn't tell them apart really, which is like super reductive and hypocritical because I admit I get annoyed when people talk about hip hop that way. And, you know, the idea of just like, oh, country music is just about tractors. Country music is just about blah, blah, blah. Like that's kind of like that's annoying. Like I I totally get that. Um, But like that's just like that's just my preconceived notion, basically. Then looking at the cover of this, you know, where he has like the bangs and like the soul patch and he looks like Zoolander and like, he, <laughs> like I just have to say the soul patch is the worst part of it. Like even by soul patch standards, that has to be one of the shittiest, douchiest notes, <laughs> soul patches I've ever seen. Yeah, he has, the, he has the eyeliner. He looks like Kurt Cobain a little bit, too. Like, yeah. I was I was gonna say more Trent Reznor, but that works too. <laughs> like like I think like just like subconsciously though, this put a lot more respect on Garth Brooks as a artist. Like I never listened to like, and maybe audience members who listen to this episode could tell me if I like this, what Garth Brooks records I should check out and stuff like that. Um, but I really appreciate him taking this huge artistic risk. I really appreciate 
all that stuff. And I thought it'd be more dark and brooding and twisted. Like I thought he had like a song about like, <laughs> I love pussy or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, that's off my debut album. <laughs> like I thought that would be like how, like, cause you, when you do an alter ego, it usually is so that you can explore a different side of yourself that not wouldn't fit under your branding basically um which it kind of does but it, it also like has songs that would work under a country veneer basically too let's talk a little bit about like the history about this a little bit like he he basically this is like at the height of his one of the heights of his fame basically that I, he I would argue the height the height the biggest in the 90s and this is after coming off of back to back to back like best-selling top of the chart country albums So he created this character named Chris Gaines and he wrote this whole elaborate backstory where, you know, Chris Gaines started this band called Crush with his best friend. And then the best friend died in a plane crash and his father got cancer. And then he got a sex addiction in resulting of that. And then Chris Gaines got into a car. This is a pretend character. This isn't real. Um, And then Chris Gaines, like, required facial surgery after getting into an accident and then he had this like long drawn out uh lawsuit with with his lawyer and stuff like that it's all like this is really incredible incredibly conceived like if someone just told me this was like a real person i'd be like okay yeah like that's kind of interesting it's kind of well conceived in the way that like uh the stephen young character in nope is like really well conceived as a fake child star character he released this album and at one point, he performed as Chris Gaines on SNL when he was hosting SNL without telling anybody. <laughs> and like, he just like put on a wig and like, you know, put on like a girdle. It was like, I'm Chris Gaines and like performed the second song. Um, and then like, it's, it was, this, all of this was just like this interesting performance art to lead to a movie that was supposed to come out called The Lamb, where in The Lamb, Chris Gaines would die. And then the movie would be about this woman trying to solve his murder. <laughs> so it's very odd. It's very interesting. And basically, like nowadays, it like it the because the movie, because the album didn't do well in contrast to his other albums, which it, it still did really good. And it still had that billboard nomination and stuff like that. It still did like well, like 700,000 copies or something like that, which is pretty good. Um, but like not for Garth Brooks, that's terrible. That, that's like that's really bad yeah de- debuting at number two for garth brooks is a, a massive like holy shit everything's on fire moment yeah. at least garth in the 90s is yeah and he seems a little ashamed of it it seemed to have gotten scrubbed off the internet like um there are like some bootleg youtube videos of it and stuff like that of like the fake mtv thing the vh1 thing and like yeah, th- when you first gave me the link to listen to the album i was like 30 percent thinking this is going to give me a virus. Just looking <laughs> at the link, I was like, don't know about this one. <laughs> Hot single Chris Gaines look alike in your area. Some of that. I'll say this. I, I pulled up Google Images because uh, you had mentioned SNL. And I was like, mm-hmm. I, I, I got to see if there's anything about this. And just based on the images of him as Chris Gaines on SNL, Jesus Christ, that had to have been very off-putting because God, <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at him and he looks like fucking like chris angel about to sing let the bodies hit the floor (laughs) this outfit is how i roll up into the club (laughs) it's it looks very off-putting and 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 weird when 
when uh taking everything into account and mm-hmm. i i gotta see clips of this after he, after no, we're done recording he just looks like like a reject member of my chemical romance that's what he <laughs> yeah. looks like that is yes that's, that's exactly what he looks like he looks like a my chemical romance reject <laughs> He looked like I think he like wore some sort of like th- slimming thing. And so he looked thinner than he actually was. And then Tracy Morgan on SNL, like told Garth Brooks, don't do Chris Gaines because <laughs> like, <laughs> like Trace, and Tracy Morgan called Garth Brooks like Garth Brooks because he looked so strange with like the girdle and stuff like that, which is like kind of mean. But like, yeah, because I see a photo of like Garth Brooks just as himself and like comparing the two. Yeah, there's he he's got to be wearing some kind of a girdle. Um, let's get into themes of this record. Let's get into like what this album is about and what you think he's trying to communicate by being Chris Gaines. Since like the movie never came out, we technically don't know what he's trying to communicate and like that's i guess that's like art you know the artist never technically explains what he's trying to do all the time which is fine but also it feels incomplete and it also feels incomplete because so much of this is like scrubbed off the internet like you can't it's very hard to find a clip like the whole album like i had to like send tanner and joe like a bootleg copy of it basically it's not on streaming you could buy the cd for like 30 dollars on amazon or something like that which i didn't have enough time to do um but yeah what do you think this album's about i think it's such it's such a, a, a fundamentally incomplete piece of art because it doesn't have a movie and from what i also understand garth never intended to stop at just one album either I think yeah. he just wanted to make rock music for a while for whatever reason. Because he's good and, at it. It's really good. Yeah, that's the weird thing. He's, <laughs> he's as good at it as he is at country music. Yeah, he's pretty fucking good. He just wanted to make rock music for a while. But the whole gimmick of this thing, which was it's the introduction, it's the it's it's your appetizer. Mm-hmm. It's called Life of Chris Gaines, but there's an alternate cover that was the cover in a lot of countries where it's just greatest hits of Chris Gaines. Yeah. So I think it very intentionally doesn't follow like a strict like flow into one song out of the other thing um, because it was just a collection of rock songs you wanted to make. And I think if Chris Gaines got to make more albums, maybe we would have gotten stuff with more coherent, more through line stuff. But as it stands right now, it's just a collection of rock songs. What it's about. The only really common thread I can find is just a lot of the trends in alternative rock music at the time, which is just a lot of, uh, how do I phrase this heart love stuff, good or bad. There's a lot of the, the one that charted was a love song. A lot of these things have to, the only common through line I can find is that a lot of these songs seem to be about like what used to be kind of thing what used to be in our great love a lot of songs follow that through line uh, and then there's some others and i think we'll get into this later there's some others that don't really follow that through line at all but I, if there's any common theme i guess it's kind of about and not even recent heartbreak it's the kind of heartbreak where it's like damn this happened three years ago and i'm not really sad about it but i'm mm-hmm. i'm reminiscent of my more mournful mormon fuck mournful yes <laughs> I remember the time when I, I was a Mormon. The time I, the time I dated a Mormon, and this was great. Um, uh, what about you, Joe? Like, what do you think this album's about? Oh God, uh, th- this is. <laughs> I I couldn't tell you. Feels like a trick question. It, it, feel, it feels like a trick question. I mean, part part of it is because I'm just terrible at like interpreting music. It, it's just mm. not like really my forte. But at the same time, yeah, um, yeah, that was definitely something that I also noticed that Tanner had pointed out that there's like a lot of just kind of like trends and alt rock at the time, but uh, the, like, 
a lot of the songs feel more like love songs. Uh, mm-hmm. And he also mentioned something about uh, the, the that like song flow. And that, that was kind of a, a weird thing that I noticed when listening to this, just like they, they don't like songs don't really flow into the next, like at, at one minute you'll get like something a little bit more upbeat and kind of like fun to listen to. And there's like a, a nice tempo to it. And then it, it'll just go to something slower and then something slower and then something more upbeat than something slow. It, it, there's really like no, uh, uh, there's not really that good of a transition just between like uh, from what I was able to gather, mostly ballads, like, um it, it's a lot of like soft rock love ballads and they just don't like transition well uh, yeah no as far as what what uh meaning i can get out of this album I, i've got nothing <laughs> i think the meaning is garth was just really bored yeah i think part of it is like first of all he just he proved that he could do country and then he just wanted to have fun he just wanted to have fun in other other genres and like learn maybe learn how to act it sounds like he was going to be in the movie, like be in whatever the lamb was and like act as Chris Gaines. Like, so that was like a character, like, and really interesting performance art where like they, this, like the inflexibility of, of some, maybe not all, but some country fans, like just like pressured him to like, never do try this stuff again, basically. Um, and also the financial like risk of just like, yeah, we're not going to let you keep burning money uh, on this. My impression of this is it feels like a best of compilation of Chris Gaines work and not just the best of compilation, a posthumous best of compilation because <laughs> in the movie he dies in the movie. He passes the Chris Gaines character passes away. So like, if there was a best of compilation of like, you know, Kurt Cobain or something like that, they probably like, they probably would omit the gross, creepy songs where he talks about his sex addiction and stuff like that. And just like, oh man, he was such a sensitive soul and we lost him so soon and stuff like that. And like the idea of like, he, the, the character seems a little obsessed with death a little bit, a little like the idea of like calling all these women he's dating, like angels and stuff like that. And like neat wanting to be saved and the backstory of this character is all about like how mired with tragedy of just like his best friend dying, then his father dying and then him almost dying and, you know, him going off the rails of his like addictions and stuff like that. And it's all pretend and it's all like, you know, not a real guy, but I think like maybe on some level, that's what Garth Brooks was thinking about a little bit, um, which I think is pretty fascinating. Um, I wish it got expounded on even further, but yeah, I also wish like Chris Garth Brooks just like went like, okay, maybe it won't be Chris Gaines, but maybe I'll like still make songs like this or something. Yeah. Maybe I'll drop the whole persona thing. Mm -hmm. It's a shame that he he dropped on the persona thing. While you were talking, a thought came to my head of what this reminded me of this Chris Gaines album we have without the movie to come with it. It's kind of like if big time rush released their first album, but there was never a TV show. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it feels it feels like something's missing. Yeah. There. Yeah. A yeah, multimedia yeah. project, but you're missing half your multi. Mm-hmm. It's a media project. Yeah, that's like... just a media, just the one. <laughs> um, so yeah, okay, let's get into some uh highlights and lowlights right after this break. Click. Welcome back to I've been meaning to listen to that, the podcast where we go through albums we didn't mean to listen to, and here's us kind of to learn about each other and our guests. Okay, let's get through um, 
uh, Tanner, what would you like to talk about first? Would you like to talk about low light songs first or highlight songs? First? I am more interested in highlights first. All um, right, let's do that. What's a highlight song for you? So uh, I actually wrote down three, but I'm just going to go with uh, the yeah, first two. one at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one I wrote down here, which was is Slim Shady. Fuck. Um, oh, that is a good song. <laughs> my, my, my favorite. Hi, my name is what? Oh, I listened to the Chris album. Sorry, guy. <laughs> the um, opening track of the album. That's the way I remember it. Uh amazing it's song. sublime it's sublime um, it's uh maybe the best song on the album i think there are two other songs that i think are contenders for that but it starts off really strong a, a song about how you kind of only remember the good times mm-hmm. of your past even if there were bad times and how the, the older you get you only kind of want to tell the good parts or whatever the most extreme part, because I, I don't think it's specifically about good. Maybe after a bad breakup, you focus on the bad parts of it instead of the good. And it, I, I love the instrumentation here. It shows that Garth has put together a uh, group of studio musicians and a group of songwriters that are clearly the best in the business when it comes to making these late 90s, early 2000s alternative music. He, he clearly yeah. put together a super group behind the scenes of people that contribute awesomely to these albums, and he, he nails it. He doesn't... The biggest thing for me is, full disclosure, ever since I've been bugging you about doing this album, Andrew, I have been refusing to listen to it wow. until I, I, I got it confirmed that we would do this because I wanted I wanted the name of this uh, podcast to be true. You, you oh, understand I me? I wanted oh to be my true. gosh. Wow. That's so nice. That's so cool. right off the bat, I'm thinking... Wait, I thought the link you sent me was full of bat was full of incorrect songs because I was like Garth doesn't sing like this, but no, it is him. He 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 sings in a completely different way than he does in his country music. In his country music, he does a lot more bellowing, you know. Oh, I'm Garth. Yeah. yeah, and the thunder rolls kind of thing, you know. And he's being a little more softer. He's aiming for that more kind of it's softer relative to his country. I should. Set. Yeah, um, his, and his, his accent still kind of pushes through occasionally. Yeah, this guy who has been making country music for 10 years now and presumably has been making country music before he was ever getting big hits was at least participating in that scene. And now he's pivoting. And holy shit, this first song is like such a great late 90s alternative song. Mm-hmm. The, the lyrics, I think, are really uh, beautiful. The um, outro the outro part of the, the song organ it's like, so yeah good. yeah the organ is so good i love the organ i just it was like oh my god this is the kind of music i'm really into so i was just right off the bat having such a banger of a song i went god damn garth garth really i had high expectations for the rest of the album from that point onward because of how good the opening track was yeah i love the um the lyric like some some of our stories fade as we get older some get sweeter every time they're told um he's such a in this and it's like a shame that like it's it detracts it a little bit that he didn't write these songs himself because i was really complimenting the songwriting here um but there's an elemental uh aspect to his songwriting it feels it's just touching on this nerve that's so universal and so true and like I think any song that evokes that idea, just like, hey, we all get older. We all we all have loved and lost love and have regrets and stuff like that. Just like any song that touches on that 
uh, is good on, in my opinion, but I think the elegance and the simplicity of it is really impressive. Uh, yeah, uh, you guys pretty much covered everything that I have to say about it because that's also my pick for uh, highlight of the album is just th- that opening track. Uh, another highlight then is just like Lost in You. It's like, yeah, it's, that was my second. That was my second three highlights. Yeah, again, again, it's the just the elemental songwriting of just like, um, I played every field, I suppose, but there's something about you when you're around, baby, I have found I get lost in you. And then the line, I get lost in a wonderful days, lost in your wonderful ways. It's so simple. It's so simple. It's so, and it's, you can like, we talk about this on the show a lot, like lyricism, good lyricism doesn't have to be, you know, big five syllable words and stuff like that, you know, just like Eminem. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but like Eminem has gone like he's gone too pristine with his like with his rhyming. It, it almost feels like a robot. It doesn't feel like a person anymore. Just there, there's like this uncanny valley of like no one can do that. I still <laughs> like know? a lot of the new music, but the, lately it's just a bunch of man. What the fuck does that even mean? He, he's, it, it, he's finding a complicated rhyme and then writing a verse around it. Sometimes it's great. Sometimes it is cool just to watch and stuff like that. Like, whoa, how did he do that? But there's an element of like. Oh, you just like read the dictionary for fun and stuff like that. Like, well, his 60 minutes interview. Remember how in a 60 minutes interview, he revealed that as a child, he would just read the dictionary. Yeah. That's fucking nerd. Um, Like I I, I read the dictionary because I need to figure out what to rhyme with venom. (laughs) Knock, knock with the venom in. (laughs) Classic. Uh, I, I really like it in terms of, removing the veneer of impenetrability like when you fall in love with someone like the idea that like when we get our hearts broken when we deal with grief or sadness we put up walls and we protect ourselves from getting hurts but then when we fall in love again when we find that all those walls come down and we're lost we we find ourselves lost in another person and like we're trusting someone with that vulnerability really it's it's so good. It's, it's so good. Uh, it's also, I feel like, I wish he didn't like what I, I. It sounds like he has the problem with just streaming in general. Like he doesn't like to put his albums on streaming yeah, or whatever. Last I checked, all of his music was only on Amazon Music, but maybe it's not even on there anymore. I don't know. But I, I think I was under the impression he had an exclusivity deal with Amazon Music. Okay, interesting. Um. But like, yeah, like it's but the idea of just like, I wish he didn't like I wish he kind of doubled down on this a little bit or at least like went went like, yeah, I did this. Now what? Like, yeah, it didn't work. But I I think it's fucking awesome and stuff like that. Instead of going like, I'm sorry, guys, (laughs) you know, like because it sounds like there's some hits on here. It sounds like they're like songs that deserve to be in the canon a little bit. Uh, Joe, what's a highlight for you? What's another highlight for you? Honestly, just those first two like tracks on the album just like hit so hard that they set such a high expectation for like the rest of the mm-hmm. album that when like the rest of like the album actually plays, n- none of it's bad, but it's, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's it's a pretty solid album in and of itself, but like it, it never just captures that high of those first two tracks. 
Uh oh, Tanner's doing the whole thing where he's like <laughs> taking taking like a disagreement and opinion as a personal affront. Like they all are, they always are. I I still haven't forgiven you for what you said about that Alkaline Trio album. Yeah, bad. <laughs> and I never and I never will forgive you. Yeah, it's t- bad t- and for bad people. <laughs> like t- Tan Man, you you've, you've got some opinions. Why don't I pass uh, them off to you? I do agree. Let's hand you the talking you, stick. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I do agree mostly with what you're saying that the rest of the album doesn't quite hit that high, except. For the song "Unsigned Letter," I it's all right. Lo- uh, fuck you. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. I pretty good. Loved that song. I don't know. Just something about first off the whole idea of a unsigned letter. I don't know. It's very um time to get nerdy in here. Uh, one of my favorite classic stories that isn't by Shakespeare is um the story of Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm pulling out all the stops, baby. Let's go. Dinkle lo- train. Peter Dinklage. Let's go. No, I was about to um, say, I love Peter Dinklage. Yeah. Um, basically, it seemed like this entire... This song feels like Cyrano uh, de Bergerac, the story of Cyrano de Bergerac about how you know sort of in in a highly modified way you know it's completely anonymous as opposed to someone posing as someone else kind of thing but i'm a sucker for that kind of like unrequited love through letters kind of thing uh, mm-hmm. because i i wrote a lot of uh, love notes in middle school and, and never got anything out of it so <laughs> uh that doesn't work you get detention for some reason um <laughs> Long story. I, I misunderstood what the counselor. Did he told like me. pass a note? Like, do you like me? Yes or no? Like the. <laughs> like- no. What happened is I would write these letters, and I wrote this one girl a lot of letters, and then this counselor told me, "Hey, just stop. Think about how you feel for a month, and then you know, see see what happens." And mm-hmm. I think what the counselor was thinking is that after a month, I would forget about it and move on. But what actually happened is that after an even month, I wrote another letter, and then I got detention. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was the only time I've gotten a detention, and it's all because I took what the counselor said literally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big fan of that song. I really like the guitar riff, especially. I can't remember what song it reminds me of, but it's a really kind of sweet, simple chord progression, but I'm a big fan of it. That song to me was the first song that stood out as a, oh, this may be the best song on the album on my first listen, first impressions. Um, I've since come to the first two and that one. But that one, especially, I think, is another banger. I think, anyway. He has some good pop songs on this, too. He has incredible ballads and, you know, sad love songs and, like, you know, yearning songs and, you know, heartbreak songs. And then he just has, like, a few fun pop songs, like Unsigned Letter. And uh, I keep mentioning it because it's, it's, like, right now and stuff like that, that, like, and like uh, the way of the girls kind of it's that's the way of the girls my low like it's just like a fun like it's like a little inconsequential in my opinion um but yeah unsigned letters really fun i just like every so often it'll just like this album will floor me with some incredible lyricism like is she gonna strike the match that'll surely light the flame is she carrying a torch for love in vain is that's incredible that is just incredible it's like so good um it's like it's the kind of like Adam Schlesinger, like the guy who wrote um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and like uh, the that Tom Hanks movie, The Thing You Do. Like uh, like he wrote he writes a lot of fake songs in movies and stuff like that and movies and TV shows um, that feel like they'd be real songs at the same time. So this is kind of that like so like 
not only is he like making a biography for a musician that sounds real, he's also making songs that it kind of reminds me of Jeff Buckley a little bit of just like this tragic figure who passed away way too soon. And right. if this was a real guy, I'd be like, damn, this is so good. I wish we heard more, you know, um, like with, without the baggage of like, this is a guy in a wig, <laughs> like trying to be. Like, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, you brought up Adam Schwesslinger and I got sad. Yeah. It's, it's rest in peace. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Balance of Wayne is a great band. And the idea of like some of these songs could be again, if it wasn't so hidden, the, some of these songs could be Mr. Brightside size hits, basically, you know, just like kind of that, like driving, like pop song. Yeah. 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 The United Kingdom's never going to stop listening to this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my final highlight, I, I like I like this album a lot, but like my the one I want to mention is uh two 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 little ones actually. Like the first one is just the line in Main Street that I love so much is if things don't work out like they should, it ain't for better, but it's for good. Fantastic, gorgeous, good. gorgeous songwriting. So simple. It's I think like when you're like a musician as sim- as successful as Garth Brooks, um, they're like two divergent paths you kind of go down as a songwriter or like a musician or an artist. You could either go like m- keep trying to reach the max, like keep go for maximalism and like make your magnum opus mas- masterpiece. Like, I don't know, like, you know, to pimp a butterfly or something like that. Or you go very, you try to like pare down your songwriting to the most to the most simple thing you could ever think of. Like kind of like the tree of life or something like that. The idea of just like Terrence Malick going like <laughs> like photographing a picture of like a tree and going like, what is life? <laughs> just like stuff like that. Um what what <laughs> why are we here? <laughs> you know, just like um why are we like, here? Just to suffer. Exactly. Yeah. Um so just like lines like that in Main Street make me think of that. And then um, my biggest highlight, one of my favorite songs, and the one where if you're a Garth Brooks fan and you want to recommend an album to me, I'd love this song. It don't matter to the sun. It's that is so good. Um, the I like the structure of like the three verses. It doesn't matter to the sun. Doesn't matter to the world. Doesn't matter to the moon. So like, it really doesn't matter. Um, and then the idea of the cognitive it like the song is expressing the cognitive dissonance of when you get your heart broken and your world stops but the world keeps spinning on like the when you're experiencing grief when you're experiencing heartbreak um you still have to go to work in the morning you still have to like you know go to school or like get money or like you know uh maybe you get like a few days off but like you still have to do stuff um and the idea, the impersonal nature of the world of like the world doesn't care if this relationship don't, doesn't work out. But if you leave, my world ends, basically. But also, like, there's a hopefulness of just like, but also maybe eventually your world moves on, too, at the same time, which is really sweet. OK, let's go through lowlights. Uh, Joe, what's a low light for you? Oh, God, why'd you have to pick me? Because <laughs> like, two I'm... choices here, Joe. It was 50-50. Uh, I, I did not take notes in this department. I'm going to take the talking stick and just nervously hurl it over to Tanner. 
Okay. Ow, Jesus. <laughs> you missed. You hit Andrew. <laughs> yeah. Dale, uh, snow in July fucking sucks. Wow. <laughs> that is yeah. a horrible song. I don't think like, it's horrible. It's so it's that's the thing though. Part of it is that the first two songs are so amazing, yeah, and yeah. then the third song starts, and it's like, what the fuck is this weird funky guitar riff? And then mm-hmm. it gets worse. It, it I don't know why, but listening to Snow in July for some reason reminds me of like Snow, the reggae artist, and like something about this isn't correct. I don't know. I just I really do not like the instrumentation. I think the song lyricism is like overly structured, if that makes sense. It, it feels like it's okay, going through the yeah. motions almost. It's a harsh turn from the first two songs on the album, which I guess goes back to the whole thing I was talking about earlier about how it doesn't feel like it has any kind of through line because it is a greatest hits album, a greatest hits album, quote unquote. But goddamn. Uh, Snow in July is a hit in like New Zealand in the sense that it scrapes the bottom of its top 40 chart. It's like one of those hits. Oh, I like really didn't like Snow in July. Speaking of like, you know, the idea that this is like his greatest hits album, it actually like looked up his fake um, album discography or something like that. And these are the names of his fake albums. Oh, um, so, you know, his first band was called Crush. Um, which is like a good name. It's fine, whatever. And then his first album is called Straight Jackets. And then <laughs> the second album is called Foreign Ucopia. <laughs> it's like it's mixing fornication and cornucopia. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then the third album is called Triangle. So, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I love, again, I love Daft Punk. Yeah. Again, it's like just like I have the creativity of just like, yeah, it sounds like a real dude. <laughs> like it sounds like something he would make. Um, he really fucking went all out on that deep lore. Like Jesus Christ, the man. Like, there, there's like more deep lore to fucking Chris Gaines than Lord of the Rings. There's a <laughs> there's a Cimmerulian whatever like a, like an extra book for Chris Gaines <laughs> trivia. Um, uh, yeah, I like Snow in July. I think it's a fun song. Obviously, it's not as good as the first two songs, but like you could play like ode to joy and like you will be like boom like right after <laughs> these two songs or some better song <laughs> like you know you would play a pretty decent song and still get a boo because it just isn't as great and as amazing as those first two exactly yeah i think the low light though is also how incoherent the persona is you know like i i like if he wrote songs all like lost in you or i guess it would get a little boring but like the idea of like oh i just want to do a soul thing the entire time i want to do like a soft rock thing the entire time and that's my bag you know that's the thing i want to try but like the one song he's doing like a country thing the sun song is like all about like it's like a country song and then uh there's like a soul song here there's a funk song there's a pop song it's very like if a guy like released an album like this, like what is this guy's deal? Like, what's he trying to do a little bit? Like, I think that was like, it's not necessarily a low light, but it's like, kind of like just something that like, was like, Oh, okay. I guess we're doing this now. Like, like it's kind of like, you never know what to expect with each new song. Basically the other songs that are just like, Oh, it's not as good. It's, it's fine. You know? Yeah, Tanner. Oh, I didn't even realize my hand was up. I'm sorry. <laughs> you were raising your hand. <laughs> I don't yes. know where I am. How did I get here? Yeah, the one in the back. Yeah. <laughs> you, the asshole. What? Me? You with the asshole hanging out. 
Like you, you with the prolapsed rectum. <laughs> Put that away. Put that away. Kid. Put that back where you found it. So help me God. I mean, have you seen Lung Fu? <laughs> oh, fucking God. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up, Joe. I know ha- where you live. Have you seen Purple Stuff? <laughs> I know where you live. I don't know I mean, what you're talking about. I'm glad I don't know what you're talking about. Don't tell me. Okay. okay. Any, other <laughs> Any other low lights? Any other? Uh, yes. I was not a big fan of digging for gold. That she one... took the money. Yeah. All right, we should stop before we get into prop- dangerous she territory. Me, she ate yeah. me. No, broke, broke. No! I did the radio, did the radio version. I did the radio oh, version. God. Thank God. Yeah. Okay, you don't like digging for gold? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just boring. I know that's such a lame analysis, but I just thought that song was boring, especially compared to the rest of the album. It's not worse than digging for gold. Let me put it this way. It is not more bad than digging for gold but it might be less good in the sense that it's just really boring yeah i think that's the song where if i was like a garth brooks fan and he came out with a new album and he was pretending to be this guy who was wearing a wig and stuff like that this is a song i'd be a little annoyed you know like this would be the song i'd be like come on man like some of these songs i'm like i don't understand how you could how there's backlash to this like some of this stuff is like exactly what a country fan would want. Some of it's kind of like fun experimentation, but like something like digging for gold. I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get why you'd be like frustrated that your favorite artist is making like lowering himself, to like make a song like this. So, yeah. Very, very kind of. Yeah. Again, the line like which he make heartfelt promises that the money was not there is like a, is a fun line a little bit, but Okay. Uh, any stray observations that we haven't touched on? That movie yeah, sounded weird. It does, but he dies in the opening scene, and but then he appears in flashbacks. Rock and roll, Citizen Kane. What does that even mean? <laughs> rock, rock and, and roll, roll Citizen Kane. Is that how they describe? Yeah, sounds good. Citizen that sounds good. Like okay. it does sound good, but also, what does it mean? That that's <laughs> your movie. You just make that. Just rock and roll, Citizen Kane. Just Rosebud is his guitar pick. Citizen Kane. You know, <laughs> yes, Rosebud is the guitar pick. No, it's a yeah. it's his custom Fender. They had, Fender made a custom model for Chris Gaines. That's how deep this went. They made wow. Jesus Christ. For this character. And like the idea of just like VH1 going. Like, yeah, we'll make a 40 minute take VH behind the music episode. I would bet like, you know, I would understand like five minute parody of like, oh, haha, novelty. They made it 40 minutes and Billy Joel is in it. The real Billy Joel is in it giving <laughs> interviews about the fake Chris Gaines, who's not a real dude. And they hired actors to play his mom and everything else. It's like so weird. And it's like the clout he had at the time where VH1 is like, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We'll we'll like do your fake episode. All right. So let's get through final thoughts and ratings on this uh, album here. Uh, the way this works is we'll rate this album out of 10 and explain why we feel that way. Uh, so who would like to go first? Uh, I think it's a really solid album. I think it shows that Garth Brooks is a supremely talented musician. It's not as good as any of his country albums. Um, okay. it, it's better than maybe some of the lower ones. And that's more to just say how much I love Garth and his music and how 
interesting of a project it is. It has a couple of lowlights, but when this album hits, it really hits. So I give this um, out of them um, eight Chris Gaines out of 10 Garth Brooks. As someone who is very like unfamiliar with uh, Garth Brooks's work outside of this, um, I, I can't really do much of a comparison there, but I think overall I rather enjoyed the album. I would probably listen to it again. Um, and who knows, like I'll, I'll probably be able to pick up on what I liked more and what I didn't like more upon uh, repeat listens. It was a very solid listen. Um, and I I'm giving this, I, I'm going to channel my inner YMS just to piss off Tanner. I'm giving this one a six out of 10. That's actually not my rating. My, I, I, I would probably give it like a seven out of 10. It's just average. Just, wow. It, it, uh, it, it'll probably either go up or down upon revisits, but for right now, I think it'll just sit comfortably at a seven. I, I love this. <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. Uh, I'm really impressed by his versatility. His voice is gorgeous. It's a gorgeous vocal performance, an incredible piece of performance arts. Um, that's really interesting. Um, not quite sure what he's trying to accomplish, but it's I'm I'm compelled by it nonetheless. Uh, I uh, like they're like at least like five to eight songs, which like are genuine classic songs that deserve to be in like a songwriting canon or like deserve to be remembered more fondly instead of like kind of erased by the sands of time a little bit. Like that's the way I remember it. Lost in you. Um you know, beyond just like a novelty. Hey, remember when Garth Brooks did that weird thing where he wore a wig and stuff like that? So yeah, I'm going to give this eight fornicopias out of 10. So yeah. <laughs> Not again. Not the fornicopia. Copula. Not the Francis Ford Copula. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, that's like the fourth or fifth, like Coppola sibling that they don't like, you know, like they don't talk about this one. Thank you so much, Tanner. Thank you so much, Joe. What a fun time. I think this is really good. Uh, oh, yeah. Anything you would like to uh, plug? Joe, you plug yourself, then I'll plug myself, and then I'll plug Bomb Squad, okay? I mean, I have absolutely nothing to plug because I'm pretty much off of social media, I guess. Good for I, you. I, I, I have I have short films on YouTube. Uh, my channel name is Papillion Pictures. Go check those out. That's where you can also find uh, the piano covers Tanner was praising earlier. Uh, if you want to, if you want to check those out, go ahead. I, I, I don't really promote them, but yeah, no, yeah, you know, go check out my short films there, and then check out our podcast, which I will let Tanner plug. Right. So uh, once again, I'm Tanner. I am a uh, filmmaker, specifically. I'm a producer, director, writer, actor. You know all the things that's hard to get into Hollywood for, because uh, mm-hmm. I, I like a challenge. Um, I've made uh, several short films. Um, you can find them all basically on my website, uh, either the ones I've directed or the ones I've acted in. If they're publicly available, you can find them on my website, crafttanner.com. Um, all my film stuff's on there. You can follow me on Twitter at crafttanner. You can follow me on Instagram at crafttanner. Uh, you can follow me on TikTok. I don't really use it, but you can follow me there if you want. Um, but beyond my own personal film stuff, what I've been really doing lately for the past year and a half has been building up and basically running bomb squad um we don't like to make anyone the head honcho but uh the others basically agree that if anyone's the boss it's kind of me so 
Uh, I'm basically running Bomb Squad with my friends. You can go yeah. over there, Bomb Squad Productions on Take YouTube. Credit. <laughs> Did the others say the same thing, Andrew? <laughs> that that man assembled us. He's the Nick Fury of the podcast, and yeah, just the whole. You do have that eye patch too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know that that, that one. Um, he, uh, he has a very uncanny resemblance to Sam Jackson. We're twins. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been running that for the past year and a half. There should be like a twins reboot with you and Sam Jack. <laughs> God, yes. Oh, 300 million, we're 300 million opening night, baby. Somebody, the first movie to make one trendillion, twin dillion dollars. Somebody, I, I like, I'm actually being serious. Somebody actually go and pitch that to uh, whatever studio produced twins. Like, I, I want to see this. <laughs> the reviews come in and it's like. We don't like this movie because we can't tell them apart. Like, we're yeah. like really confusing. That's why it doesn't work. They look identical. They keep yeah. making jokes about how they don't look alike, but they do look alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, is Bomb Squad Productions. Uh, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all that stuff, but our bread and butter's on YouTube. What Andrew said, first off, thank you for all the praise you had for the podcast. Yeah. Andrew, um, literally once every week, either Austin's Weebleman or sometimes Tim M. Sullivan will edit it. We release a big episode, 40 minutes. We, we basically consider it a TV show, uh, mm. more than a podcast almost at this point because of how much it's evolved from that visualizer form. But we also release short films. Um, you can see a couple of them. Conspiracy 182, which I directed. Maguire Man, which Pretty I did. Pretty funny. <laughs> Maguire Man, which I did star in. That was directed by Rain Conversi. Our most recent one is the Chicago Road Trip one. But before that, I made a mockumentary where I tried to find a copy of Click on UMD by going through a bunch <laughs> of uh, thrift, uh, basically uh, used video shops in the area. Joe co-wrote that one with me. And by that, I mean, we basically improvised the entire thing the day of filming it. <laughs> And it came out good, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we also have some gameplays every once in a while. We have some other things other than the podcast where we talk about movies and TV. Uh, we're hoping to release some video essays soon. It's me and nine other people. It's a lot of fun. We guarantee that we release at least the podcast every week, if not some other stuff. So yeah. uh, I, I can't recommend it enough. It's such a labor of love from all of us. And uh, if you could come over, check out some of our videos, and maybe even subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, and follow Tanner on uh, what's your Twitter and Instagram? At Craft Tanner, at Craft Tanner yeah. for all of it. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. I'll be on a future one as well. I was one on. I was on one this year, but you'll see what what I'll be on next. Like you know, in a few months. Uh, so yeah, you can follow me at Andrew A Lee on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, Michael Limitado at Lemon Taco on Instagram and Twitter. You could follow Sean at Diabetic Twink on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, Tanner, what Garth Brooks, Chris Gaines, or other type of song would you like to play us out with? Uh, we should play. You should play us out with the Thunder Rolls, which I think is Garth Brooks's best song. All right, fantastic. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, thank you so much. Check out the Bomb Squad and have a good day. Thunder roll, the thunder rolls, and the lightning strikes. Another love grows cold on a sleepless night.